Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L-I-V-E presents The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring your hosts, Heisey Lutmers and Charlie Harrington. The Amethyst Oracle. Delve into life, death, and everything betwixt, between, betwixt, and beyond. Between, and beyond. Betwixt, between, and beyond. With a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Harrington and Heisey Lutmer. And welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you for joining us once again. I am High C, and I am joined by my co-host, Charlie Harrington. Well, welcome hi there. Charlie Harrington, hello. How are you and doing, And I am doing very well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Excellent. This Valentine's Day weekend, it's a favorite holiday of mine. Oh, tell us why. Well, I just love love. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I know it gets a bad rap. I have I, I a lot of people think it's commercial or whatever, but they're just may probably have a legitimate point. But um, I rather enjoy all of the fun, cute little things people do in red and white and pink <laughs> at this time of the year <laughs> to celebrate love. And for the people who are really down on love, it gives them a chance to feel really superior, and that's cool too. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, I think, you know, in some ways I think it is a commercialized holiday, but I never think it's a bad thing for us to mm-hmm. call out a day when people are reminded to be more loving or do something special for someone, you mm-hmm. know. But I would encourage people to think about love in a broader context, that it doesn't mm-hmm. have to just be about romantic relationship love versus mm-hmm whether you're in a relationship or not, doing something special mm-hmm. for yourself to remind yourself that you love yourself or taking yourself to the spa to remind yourself that you love your body or doing something just for someone special in your life, not a romantic partner, but I mean just someone that you want to remind them that mm-hmm. you love them in some way, you know? So I concur. I have a tradition that I always engaged in. Uh, back when I was in high school during the Cretaceous period, I... Um, on Valentine's Day, I think I got stood up by a date. And so I started a long-standing tradition of taking straight girls out on dates on Valentine's Day because they would like to be out on a date too. And I would always go see a <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. movie. And there was always a Freddie Prince Jr. movie out um, around, on or around Valentine's Day for the first several years of this. So I, I was... I've been single for most of my Valentine's days, and I still enjoyed it then. So it's not sort of like a privileged class that gets to enjoy the holiday. That's right. Um, But I do think that there's a little bit too much made about it in terms of romantic relationships, because I think that that makes people who aren't in relationship oftentimes feel bad or feel excluded. And it also seems to put a bit more or too much emphasis on the idea of happiness is only found when you're in relationship. And, you know, that's why I I encourage people to think more 
broadly and a little bit more deeply about what love means and how we can express and show love to everyone in our lives, including ourselves, rather than it just being this kind of commercialized holiday thing about relationships and buying diamonds and spending lots of money and that kind of thing, which somehow is supposed to equate to I love you because I spent this much money on you versus I did it because I wanted to or I knew it was something that you would like. I have a lifetime. Well, I'm not saying diamonds are bad. (laughs) (laughs) Who's turning down diamonds anyway? But if someone never says I love you and then on Valentine's Day thinks I'm obligated to do something, so I'll go buy diamonds as a way of making some big grand gesture just because that's what they're supposed to do or to make up for something. That's Mm -hmm. where I think that it's gotten a little too commercialized and lost a bit of its meaning, if you will. I'm sure. I think that was the meaning. (laughs) No, I guess the meaning would be St. Valentine, right? uh, Who wasn't... Okay, so if if I'm remembering this correctly... A Christian martyr who uh, would use love notes to, uh, or would, would carry love notes between uh, young loves <laughs> that I think were also usually Christian. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> was beheaded or something? I can't remember. And so, what would the? I, can't, I don't know. Bringing people together. <laughs> so, um, I you know I've never and some people might fault me for this, I've never really had uh, a lot of interest in looking up some of the origins of things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't really know those stories, and I don't know a lot of the Christian saint stories and that kind of thing either. I always think that's what Catholics get. <laughs> but well, I don't know, because they have, they have saints, you know, so surely they learn about them. <laughs> mm. um, so thanks for sharing that. And we'll sure. encourage encourage people if they were intrigued by that little tidbit to maybe do a quick Google search or Wikipedia search and find out a little bit more about St. Valentine. Yes. So there is something coming up as well this weekend that both you and I love. Yes. Which I also think is is, um, kind of a nice time to have it because it's it's a hotel full of almost 2,000 people who really are kind of in a loving space because they're able to be themselves and they're able to engage in things that they really love. And whether that means doing them or sharing them with other people, making connections with people that they haven't seen for a year or that are new to them or something like that. But there is kind of that sense of connection and relationship and, you know, love of a certain sort that, mm-hmm. that, that there's also love of a certain sort that goes on in many of the hotel rooms, but you know. Um, yeah. So what what is it? That, there was my riddle. So what is it, Charlie? What is it that you well, think this riddle is? Well, we will be at is? Panseacon, the celebration of all sorts of pagan and polytheist tri- spiritual traditions and practices. I'm very excited. It's my, I'm gonna say seventh. It's my seventh Pantheacon this year. Um, so it's always President's Day weekend, and that means it's often on Valentine's Day. And a special Pantheacon tradition that I find very interesting, which is Friday night, which is the night of Venus, uh, they always hold the Pambagira celebration. And Pambagira is a celebration of the, um, I don't know if it's the goddess Pamba or the goddess Pambagira, but she's a Brazilian goddess 
of love, sex, and prostitution. And they always have a, uh, a very high-spirited, very, very drummy, very enthusiastic, ecstatic uh, dance party in her honor with the intention that the love energy of the Pompagira celebration blesses the entire weekend at Pantheacon. And and it's quite perfect because this year, especially it happens on Valentine's Day because it's on mm-hmm. Friday night. And, you know, Pombagira, what they say is that Pombagira teaches us about self-confidence, about mm-hmm. love and self-love, and about acceptance of ourselves as well as acceptance of others. <clears throat> so, you know, it's kind of perfect for it to be bringing that ecstasy at the end, time to close out Valentine's Day. And also, it's a full moon. <laughs> oh, Friday yes, is absolutely. a full moon as well. So, you know, there's all sorts of things that are <laughs> going on and happening kind of all at once energetically that, especially for that, will probably make that to be quite the celebration and experience. I had the pleasure, actually, of, I was at a meeting in the house where the people that play for that, which it's actually a whole group of drummers and um, percussionists uh, and chanters that um, are performing at once. You know, it's not just one or two people. It's like (laughs) a stage full of people. And I happened to be on Sunday at a meeting in the house where they were doing their rehearsal. And I was on the floor below and they were just above, but boy, you know, we could hear them because they were like right above us. And it was great just to hear it, but I could already tell you that it was already generating the energy of that ecstasy and that trance state. And I am excited about it on Friday night, and I'm hoping to make it a point to get to it this year because I think it's going to be quite exciting. I have my outfit all picked out. You have to wear black and red for sacred colors. So Yes. I'm ready to go. Mine has a bit of uh, AV in it. <laughs> You'll have to see. A- what does AV mean? AV, a audiovisual experience. So. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm taking I'm taking it to the 21st century. So. LED light. Um, perhaps. An iPad screen. May, well, uh, now, you know, I could make it a whole <laughs> experience. If you're going to make it 21st century. Absolutely, um, but this is um a time of year when tarot readers get a lot of questions about love. It is right. true. And, yes. But, and, and before we go there, I, I think we should just tell people what Pantheacon is, since we talked about it but didn't really explain what it is. Um, and it's a uh, conference, if you will, uh, a tribal gathering that happens every year on President's Day weekend in February. And it's basically a pagan conference that is an umbrella conference for all of the different traditions and practices uh, and philosophies and theories in the pagan world. You can find people from all sorts of practices and spiritual traditions there. And what's great about it is that, you know, starting at nine in the morning and ending at 1230 at night, every two hours, 12 to 15 different presentations, workshops, rituals that you have to choose from to attend. Uh, And whether it's to go and do things with people that are part of your tradition or to go and explore something and see what something is that you've always heard about or been curious about, it's, it's a really amazing opportunity 
And I would encourage anyone, it's four days, Friday to Monday, and I would encourage anyone that has the chance to make a point of coming to San Jose one year and attending it just to experience what it is to be in a hotel full of 1,700 to 2,000 people that are actively engaged in spiritual practice and spiritual traditions and living their spiritual lives. Um, Because not only are going to the things, but also just the people you meet and the things that you are exposed to and have an opportunity to see or find out about, it's just a great experience. And, you know, another amazing thing to me always is you can come for the four days, and all four days that get you access to everything is $75. So, you know, there's almost no reason not to do it. So that's what it is, and I would encourage people. Um, I would since you're looking forward to Pombagira, something I'm looking forward to, I would look forward to see what T. Thorn Coyle is going to do because I love T. Thorn Coyle as a teacher. Um, and she's doing a ritual this year, the Guardians, a ritual of calling. It sounds very <laughs> grand, you know, because it says that they're going to invoke the Guardians of matter, space, and time. So, you know, some simple little thing, <laughs> you know, something to do with your weekend. <laughs> Just, yeah, you know. <laughs> Connected with that. What's a Saturday night when you haven't done that? Um, you know, so I'm looking forward to that. Plus, my particular tradition, the Kemetic tradition, our temple, uh, or temples, I should say, based in the Bay Area as well as elsewhere, um, host a hospitality room. And every, on the Saturday night of the weekend, we put on a public ritual. So we're doing that again this year. And our ritual this year is going to be to the goddess Ma'at. Um, mm-hmm. And so... You know, that's just in our hospitality suite. People are always welcome and come on by. Starts at 7, ritual at 8. Anybody that's listening, if you happen to be attending, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, come on by. It's room 951. We already know our room. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so. Telling people your room number. That's right. And if you can't come Saturday night, we will just have an open hospitality suite on Friday night where you can just stop by and chat, ask questions and that kind of thing, say hello. So come on by, people. Come on by. Right on. Now, back to what you were saying. Back to what I was saying about when when people in complicated relationships like to give their tarot reader a call, maybe more often on like, February 15th (laughs) Uh, and people not in relationships like to give their tarot readers a call because as you mentioned earlier, this is a time of the year when people are sort of reminded that they're all supposed to be in a relationship, right? Whether they're in one or not, this is the time of the year that sort of honors that. There you go. It really does. And so kind of like how um, at the beginning of the year, everyone feels like they're supposed to be in a different job get a lot of those kinds of readings. Uh, it's also when people are hiring Valentine's Day. There's a lot of readings about love. And there's a lot of ways to do readings about love. And uh, a lot of topics. It's a big topic. And so often as a tarot reader, you, you'll get someone across and like, um, you're like, what would you like to, what would you like a reading about? And they say love or relationship. And uh, it's important to be able to kind of navigate the sort of nuances of that. Yes. So, and we thought that tonight and, we would offer up our services uh, to give some readings to people on that topic or whatever topic they have. But really, Charlie, what night? Them. What night are we not offering our services? Now? Oh. <laughs> um, for free, I said for free this time. <laughs> oh well, that yes, that does make it unique. Um, 
Yes. So, and, you know, we're calling this our live reading extravaganza on love, sex, and relationship. And part of the reason for that is kind of what I was alluding to before is it doesn't have to just to be about finding the one. You know, if somebody is just, you know, feeling horny (laughs) and yet having trouble satisfying that urge, um, then that's a perfectly legitimate question to also ask in a reading. You know, sometimes I think people take readings a little too seriously or think of them too seriously and and think, oh, I couldn't ask that question because that's too silly or that's not, you know, profound enough or, you know, unless I'm asking about love and finding the one, I can't just ask about how to find my Saturday night hookup. And I think that doing readings is just as valuable, just as legitimate and just as useful for those kinds of questions and those kind of things as well. Do you? A lot of people are already in a relationship and they their question isn't how do I find the one? Maybe they're with the one and they need to figure out how to not kill the one. And so <laughs> right. they uh you know there's there's all sorts of persnickety things that happen in relationships that are hard to navigate and you know operators are standing by. That's right. So if, if you're listening, we are going to encourage you to call in. And I also want to encourage people to call in. Maybe you just have a story to tell about love or about a relationship experience or a sexual experience. Feel free to call in with those. Um, that, you know, call in and share those as well. Because what you find is that when people hear other people's stories and how they dealt with something, how what they experienced, how they navigated through something it ends up being just as valuable and useful to people that are hearing that story as it is for the person telling the story. So don't underestimate the value of the story you may have to tell. So if you, have a, if you just have a story you want to tell, a memorable Valentine's Day story or a memorable anecdote about a relationship experience or a sexual experience or a love, you know, what you've learned about love or whatever, Uh, feel free to call in and share those with us as well. In addition, you can certainly call in for readings, and we will welcome you with open arms. Um, I guess on Valentine's Day you're supposed to say with open arms and open legs, but that sounds crass now, doesn't it, Charlie? Um, And we will be happy to take a look and see what the cards have to say and uh, offer you for whatever it is you're asking about. Um, if you want to Skype in, you can do so from the show page, or you can call in and get in the queue at 646-716-5510. Uh, when you do that, you just press 1, and that will get you in the queue and indicates to us that you're waiting to receive a reading. So I would encourage everyone listening to think about if they have a memorable story they'd like to share, or if you have a question, especially around love, sex, or relationship, then feel free to call in about that. And relationship isn't always about a love or romantic relationship. It can be a relationship with a colleague, with a family member, with a friend, a relationship with your career, relationship with yourself. So, you know, don't don't think too narrowly when we, we say those terms because we can we can look at anything for you. Anything I tell you. The tarot, unlimited. <laughs> um, so we do already have a few people waiting in the queue for reading, so we probably will jump right in there with that if you feel that you are ready to do that, Charlie. Let's do this. All right. So I think what we'll do is we'll take a quick break, 
And then when we come back, we're going to go to our first caller. And that first caller is calling from area code 719. So if you're calling from area code 719, be prepared, because after this short little break, we're going to come back and we are going to come to you first. Divination with a Queer Twist with hosts Hi C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L I V E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. Enjoy the show. And welcome back. I'm Hi C and I am joined by Charlie Harrington. And this is the Amethyst Oracle. 
And as you just heard, if you want to find us on the web, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Historical. And we would welcome you there to like the page, to comment about the show, to ask a question, to share something, just join in the conversation. So we're going to go to our first caller, Charlie. And this caller is calling us from area code 719. Are you there, caller? Yes, I'm here. Thank you for taking my call. Welcome to Hi the there. show. Hi there. Uh, what, what's your name and where are you calling from? My name's Julia and I'm calling from Colorado. From Colorado. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for calling in from what is probably a very cold Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep. And what is it that we can look at for you today? Um, well, I was wondering, would it be okay if we just do a general one this evening? Sure. Let's see. So you don't have a particular do you, issue do you, you want, want us to look at? Do Do you want us to do an overall general, or like just a general around love and relationship? Um, you can do a general around love and relationship. That'd be great. Okay. All right. Are, are you in a relationship? It's like I hate right to now? be limited because then it's like if something else, you know, that the universe wants to kind of draw my attention to. That's why I kind of go with we'll the see. general that way. It's, but yes, they have a way of announcing themselves. Yes. Yeah. Here are decks going. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, let me see what comes up. I'm using the Fay Tarot this evening. It's kind of a, a light, fun, colorful deck. And okay, what's interesting is. I'll keep this kind of general, and you can let me know when you can you can steer me a bit if you know what's going on in the cards. Your past, okay. I have the Eight of Swords, which shows in the past being in a very restrictive place, being very much um, held back in some way, feeling very. Um, this is often a, a card of being afraid to make decisions. This is often a card of feeling like not a lot of opportunities. Um, not able to move things forward um, in relationship in relationships that can feel feel kind of stuck um, and nervous about one of the things with the eight of swords is often it means we're what one of the things that keeps us in fear is the idea that if we make the wrong choice we'll send ourselves we'll we'll ruin what we have so the good news I like seeing this at the beginning of a spread because it means it's what's sort of passing out of your life. It's what's moving away. Uh, we move into the King of Pentacles, which um, there's different ways of looking at this. This could be a person in your life. Uh, King of Pentacles types are very strong and they have learned a lot through hard work and challenges and suffering. And um, if this represents someone in your life, it represents someone who can kind of help you out of that First situation, if this represents you, uh, it represents sort of you um, making your way out of of what felt like a very constricted, restrictive position um, through sort of the the long road. The King of Pentacles is not a person who things came easily to. The King of Pentacles is a person who had to work for what they have, and they went sort of the slow way. Uh, How am I doing so far, as far as right on? Okay. 
Is that King of Pentacles you or is that someone that in your life? I'm thinking it could be me. Okay, right on. Okay, so one one thing that's interesting, I mean, the courts tend to, the, in the old days, the courts always represented like someone else, unless it was like absolutely, like you would never tell a woman that she's the King of Pentacles. But eh, these days, that's that's a very we don't we don't restrict ourselves that way. So the King of Pentacles. So looking at this spread so far with that idea that it's you, um, is the hard work really helped you move? out of that difficult situation. And with the futures, you have the Five of uh, Cups. And in this deck, the Five of Cups is very interesting. It's, it's, it shows a young sort of fairy being. in. Um, she's sitting in a broken cup, and she's smiling, and she's enjoying herself. So what's interesting about this version of the Five of Cups is it suggests that making the best of the situation um, is what is going on for you. It's not about this huge transformation of circumstance where you're saved or whisked away. It's about enjoying what is, enjoying things as they are and being very clear about how things are in your life. I know that sounds kind of vague and new agey, so I'm going to try and focus that down. Um, But it, it represents a person who delights in what they have and not in that sort of sad way where you're like, well, I mean, it could be worse. It's, it's, it's a person who like really, isn't holding themselves back anymore. They're, they're enjoying and making the most of everything and seeing themselves not as being in, imprisoned by a lack of choices, but um, able to do what, what, they, what they like because of, of having earned that. And the, the card that represents, the, the final card, the card that represents like what kind of guidance or advice to give you is the moon. And the moon is a tricky card. Um, because it, it, it walks this very, very narrow line between illusion and sort of psychic awareness. And so what this says to me, and you can let me know what your interpretation of these things is in a moment, um, but having the moon here represents um, that you have a great intuitive gifts. Um, you have, so you're like, traditionally you might say like psychic gifts. You have, uh, you have a gift for that and also for listening to your instincts and following when you are not psyching yourself out, the moon card represents that you, when you when you don't get in your own way, you're good at. I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but good. You're you're, you're you know deep within you what the right course is, but you kind of can get in your own way about that. So my advice at this time, um, sort of in your life and in, in general. Maybe this applies to love, maybe not. Uh, but um, loving who you are, not seeing yourself as limited, not seeing yourself as less than or unworthy is really, 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 really important. It's, it's, you're kind of moving away from this older self that was very restricted and very afraid of your own gifts and your own self-worth and sort of embracing the best things about you. And also, the Five of Cups suggests... Um, the, su- the success comes when we stop uh, looking at the modern version of this. I tell people is like look, when you look at other people's Facebook pages and saying why isn't that me is sort of like getting away from that is what the Five of Cups suggests. Sort of like rem- reminding yourself that your life is is good <laughs> and enjoying those things. Does, does any of this make sense? Is this all sounding okay? <laughs> or how do you resonate with that? 
yeah, I'm I'm pretty much a a practical person. You know, I'm not like looking for the high life or anything. So I guess mm-hmm. the five of cups. You know, I'm sort of, you know, accept what is. I guess. Accept and enjoy, and sort of like it, it can get kind of like sometimes with the five of cups in tarot, people like. Don't worry, you know, people have it worse. They get in kind of a moralistic place. And this is sort of representing, like, what what can I do with what I have right now that would feel good that, or that would, um, that would be great? If I'm not waiting, part of the Five of Cups is, like, if I'm not waiting for something great to come along and take me out of this, what can I do right now? Does that make sense? Hmm. Seems a little, like... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to think on it a little bit because mm-hmm. um, I'm sure it'll make sense. Well, let's let's see what High C has to say, and then maybe I can <laughs> marinate on this myself. <laughs> okay. So um, the first thing I wanted to ask you, Charlie. Uh, so the Five of Cups came up for you. Uh huh. Um, yes, it did. And in in what position was that? Um, it's the future. So it's sort of I did a past, present, future, and then guidance, and so. After the King of Pentacles, which is sort of that becoming worldly, becoming proud of oneself, moving into this sort of place of acceptance, which it sounds like a negative word, but yeah. So for me, the future. All right. Um, And the reason I ask is because the Five of Cups also came up for me. Uh, However, it did come up reversed, and it is in the future, but it's in the short-term future or the short-term outlook. So I just wanted to clarify for myself because I thought it was interesting that the same card is coming up um, for both of us. And um, to to kind of follow on from what Charlie was saying and the themes that were coming up with his cards, there's a, a similar kind of theme here in the cards that came up for me because one thing it's saying is, what we what what we would like for you to try to do is to let go of thinking about and worrying about and stressing about the long-term future so much that you end up getting stuck in paralysis by analysis because you're worried about doing the wrong thing now because you think about what'll happen 10 steps down the road from now as a result and will it yeah. be okay? Will it go badly? And then ending up not doing anything <laughs> and holding on too tightly to what you have or where you're at out of that fear or out of that stress and that anxiety. And the first cards that came up were the Four of Pentacles reversed, the Six of Wands reversed, and the the World card reversed. And, you know, with those cards reversed and just so you know, reversed means I came upside down when I turned them over from the deck. Um, you know, that combination of cards reversed, what it really is saying is there's almost a fear of success that gets in your way. It's not so much failure as it is fear of success. Will I be up to what if this actually does happen? Will I be able to sustain it? Will I be able to live up to what it is that is expected of me or whatever if I move into that position or step into that spotlight or take that on? Can I maintain that even after I achieve it? And Four of Pentacles reversed is asking you, because you can think of the Four of Pentacles as the card of the miser, um, and reversing it says we need to open up, we need to loosen up, we need to 
release the grip a little bit and stop holding on so tightly to make sure that we don't lose anything or that we control everything, that we're actually suffocating and strangling the life out of it. And that will allow us to move into opportunities and positions that will be successful or can bode well for success. It's just letting go of the fear of stepping into that spotlight or stepping onto that stage so that you can believe in the possibility, but also believing in yourself that you are worthy of that, that you have earned that, and that you will be able to live up to whatever it is, rather than thinking that somehow you're going to fall short or it'll somehow peter out at some point and it'll go away. Um, and the world card reversed really is asking you to, you don't have to know the full picture in order to take the next step. Just put one piece of the puzzle into place and then put the next piece of the puzzle into place and see what picture starts to emerge rather than waiting until you know what the whole picture is before you even start to put the pieces down. Um, and that five of cups reversed in the short term, you know, one, it says that over the next few months, you're probably going to start to feel more optimistic. Five of cups is sometimes a card of disappointment. Sometimes it's a card of clinging to the past or holding on to past. That's why it's disappointment. It's like holding on to past upset or disappointment that um, we can't move past or we think everything is going to go that way or be that way. So then we get kind of stuck in that place. But when it reverses, it says, let bygones be bygones, it's water under the bridge, let's stop worrying about holding on to or defining ourselves by what has happened before, because it's time to turn around and look at what is possible and where we can go and what we can do and what we can have, rather than continuing to cry over spilt milk, rather than continuing to to worry about or cry about what it is that didn't work or that we lost or that went away or whatever. Um, my first impression when I laid these cards down was this was much more about the realm of work or where you live and that it's time to be willing to start uprooting yourself and to move forward to the next stage or to the next place or to the next thing rather than to stay stuck in where you're at because it's it may not be as solid as you think it is anyway but it it's not doing anything to serve you well it's actually holding you back from fulfilling the potential you have and being as successful as you could be and that reversed five of cups would say if you can start to do that, especially within the next few months, you will find that opportunities start to open up and that you're able to move into a future that is of your own creation rather than ending up in a future that you worried about becoming reality, but then you created that reality by never doing anything and simply waiting until that reality became real. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of an odd yeah, way to say that. Wow. <laughs> um, so I would encourage you not to dig in your heels, not to put off or delay or wait really any longer to start working on or making some changes 
and uprooting yourself or taking yourself up and out of particular places or environments so that you can start to move forward and realize there is success out there for you, but it's waiting for you to start grabbing it, coming to it, and running with it, rather than you waiting for it to come to you to take you out of your situation. Wow. Okay. Goodness gracious. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to the archive of this. I'm taking notes as fast as I can write, and it's like, wow. Well, that's the benefit, and thank you for bringing that up. That gives us an opportunity to remind people that you can hear the archives of our shows anytime after they've aired here on Blog Talk Radio or on iTunes. Just search for Firefly Willows Live or the Amethyst Oracle. They'll pop right up. Um, And I I just wanted to ask, what's the day and month of your birthday? September 16th. Okay. So... So I ask that because what I use that for is to calculate a year number and a year card. And a year goes from birthday to birthday. And that shows us what's the overall theme, lesson, focus, energy for a particular year. So it's kind of the umbrella energy for everything in our lives in that year. You're in an 11 year. 11 is what's called a master number. Any number that repeats, like 1122 is a master number. It represents um, a spiritual level It can also represent that it's time to take something to the next level. So one, you want to start looking at different areas of your life and saying, am I getting a deeper, spiritual, more satisfying um, result from that? Or is this nourishing me on a deeper level? Or is it something that is just kind of at a surface level or is just stayed at the same level and therefore it doesn't really feed my soul? And if that's the case, then that's the areas and the things that you particularly want to focus on starting to change during this year. Um, And uh, 11 is two ones, which one is the number of planting seeds starting something new. But when it's in a master number like an 11, it's not so much about something brand new as it is moving something to the next level. So uh, this is actually a good year, like if somebody was going to go back to school, for education of some sort, that it's not about going back to get a degree in something new, it's going to graduate school, or it's going to something that is going to further elevate the knowledge and experience that you already have, uh, rather than it being something brand new. Um, 11 corresponds to the justice card and to the strength card. Um, So on one level, it's about self-confidence, self-worth, and self-esteem. So this is a year to be looking at where those things may be weak and what you can do to start strengthening them, as well as to start acting on having more confidence in yourself and valuing who you are and what you have to offer more greatly rather than undervaluing and underestimating yourself. Um, The justice card is about finding our truth and being willing to live it. So this is a year for you to strive to live more authentically in the world and to say, this is who I am, this is what is right for me, and I'm going to find my voice and speak that truth in the world, and I'm not going to compromise or back down just because somebody else has a different truth that they want to see me live up to. So, Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, 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 did you say you have a question? 
Yeah, I just um, you said it was from birthday to birthday. So would that be this birthday that's past September coming up to this one that's coming this year, or is it starting at this September? No, no, it started September 2013 and goes through September 2014. Okay, I just wanted to make sure you know where I was in that. So, I mean, on a mundane, uh, you know, kind of a more mundane level, the justice card can sometimes indicate that this is a year that is characterized by some sort of a legal matter. Um, but legal doesn't mean we have to go to court, although we could. Uh, but it could be that we sign a, a contract on something. Um, you know, if we buy our first house or we sign a, a, like, let's say that you changed jobs and signed a contract for a new job and three years later it's, you've realized that's your dream job and you think, oh, you know, that year when I was 31, when I signed the contract, was the best year of my life because that would be the, the legal matter that characterizes the year. So something like that may play a major role during this year. Um, as, and, and, you know, 11 and the Justice Card are about balance. So you really want to look to see where are the greater imbalances in your life, and those are the areas and aspects you want to focus on most during this year in order to bring them back into balance. So if, if work feels out of balance, that's what we need to focus on. If love feels out of balance, that's what we need to focus on. But wherever we have those imbalances is where we need to focus our attention in order to start figuring out what needs to be done in order to bring balance back to those areas. Awesome! Wow! So, wow, that was <laughs> incredible. There you are. Hope, hopefully, that Holy hopefully thanks. that was general enough. <laughs> no, it was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much, and I definitely will be listening to the archives. So, thank you both. I really appreciate it, and I'm I'm really glad I called. Well, you're thank you're you. more than welcome, and thank you for being so receptive. Oh, thank you both, and have a great evening. You too. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. So, Charlie, do you think you're you're ready and refreshed for another caller? Or do you I want to am. I've had a little liquid encouragement, and I'm ready to go. Oh, well, you have the luck of getting some liquid encouragement. I see how it is. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, then we will go to our next caller, and our next caller is calling from area code 714. So are you there, caller, from area code 714? Hello, hello. Hello. So, can you tell us? Long, long time stalker, first time talker. Oh, so it's you. Um, Charlie, could you just take this one for a moment? I just want to send a quick <laughs> email to the FBI and I'll be right That's back. That's right. Um, <laughs> surveillance tapes uh, are available now. And, oh, and whatever, whatever I was paying you for was simply for your time and for no other services or reason. If only that were the case. Well then, what what? How can we help you tonight, as opposed <laughs> to any other night? Well, um, considering that this whole show is based around love and relationships, and considering I am a lover, I have quite a contradictory question. Ooh. You some enlightening on. Kick down, Sparky. Alrighty, so a little bit of background to describe it. Um, for the longest time, I was 
sad and lonely. I say I say longest time, but I say this as the past six months. And I was trying so desperately to find a girl to date. And then I found a girl, and we kind of dated, but it was more of she was just interested in hooking up and that kind of thing. And, you know, what kind of guy would I be to say no to that? (laughs) So we ended up doing, you know, that kind of thing. And then I told her, basically, I'd rather just be friends instead of, you know, just hooking up because it's kind of hard on my heart because what I really crave is real love and the real relationship rather than just, you know, meaningless, as fun as that is. But uh, with time passed, um, I couldn't even really be her friend because she kept on telling me about all the guys that she was hooking up with and dating and it was just all bad news. So another month or two passed and I found a wonderful, lovely, good girl to date whom I like a lot and, you know, everything was right. But then at the same time, now that I have something that's, for lack of a better term, something that's perfect, I guess, she's great in every way. Um, She goes to school in L.A. now, and she only comes up every, like, three or four months because she has a vacation. But basically my question is, I, I hate to commit at such a young age because I'm so attracted to many other girls at the same time. And while at the same time my heart craves to have a connection with just one girl, and so I have these opportunities with multiple women in order to pursue a dating-type um, option. And I just, I really am confused. My heart's confused, I guess, and so is my head. Look at that. I'm going to do what's called a crossroads spread. So seems like there's two distinct paths you're talking about. One is you committing to this long-term relationship, and one is being more open. Am I, am I, have I identified the two paths correctly there? Does that sound right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, cool. All right, let's see. All right, so commitment. Okay. All right, so I'm pulling three cards. For commitment and three cards for dating and staying unanchored in a particular relationship. Let's see. As Charlie prepares to begin, can you just, I think we neglected to ask your name and where you're calling from. My name is Casimir Joseph Patelsky IV, and I am calling from Mountain View. All right. A yokel. And I say my full name in confidence now because I figure people can stalk me regardless, Mm -hmm. considering a current thing from work where a guy looked at my name tag and looked me up on Facebook from a no-name, no-picture Facebook. Ah! (laughs) All right. Let's see. (laughs) Um, The card I have for you in the sort of the center of the reading. So I have you in the center and then three cards in each direction. Uh, in the center we have strength, which is, so you, it's interesting. You, so posing the question, you're actually like having the wherewithal and the sense of self to 
look at this as a choice and not just sort of see what happens or just sort of blindly. So you, you're making a conscious effort to be in control of the situation. That's good. Um, the three cards that represent staying committed are the chariot, the knight of chalices, and the knave of chalices. So this is a very romantic path uh, to choose that. The chariot often, now in your literal sense, it would mean trips, long trips. You uh, would be driving about eight, you know, seven or eight hours to Los Angeles uh, to see this young lady. But once you get there, the Knight of Chalices is sort of the Prince Charming romance card. It would bring out that side of you. It would be the um, uh, the it's it's sort of it's the, the the loving the person who likes romance the like the person who likes to be mysterious and giving and open hearted and uh, very emotional and um, the knave of chalices at the end is really about being inspired and attracted to this person that you're the long distance one um, they there's something wonderful about them they have a wonderful they're like your muse they have a wonderful sense of the creative and they're very emotionally open. So I looked at, like, so that looked really nice. So I looked at the other, and when you do this kind of reading, it's not always a huge contrast. Often, like, you just see the sort of benefits of both, but for you, it's a really huge contrast. Uh, your first card is the Queen of Swords, which represents very cold, unfeeling um, people, mainly women. Um, often, the, traditionally, the Queen of Swords is very hard to love. They're very, they make it very difficult, and they're very much uh, focused on pain. <laughs> and so there's that. And then we have the Two of Swords, which is uh, often a card of feeling pulled in different directions and wanting to make a choice, wanting to settle with something, but feeling unable. It's a very unstable place to be in, especially in this version of it. And the last one is the Eight of Wands. So the best thing about being open would be that it would be very high energy. It would always feel like it's changing and moving and that can, in the beginning, kind of feel adventurous. Uh, you're young. And when you're young, you feel like you're supposed to be having these adventures. You're supposed to be making lots of mistakes and not focusing on one person. But if I had to look at these two and choose for myself, and luckily I don't, but if I had to, I feel like romance and the idea... A big part of the relationship with a long-distance person is when someone's very far away, we can really build them up in our minds and in our hearts and make a really big deal about when we're with them and the, the relationship becomes very, very significant. I just see you being happier in that vein. The, the, the two paths look very starkly different, especially with that Queen of Swords. Queen of Swords has many strengths, but being a loving companion is not one of them. And she's in your, your future if you decide that you want to date around a lot. But hi, C, what did, what did you get? What's your counteroffer here? <laughs> well, uh, the first thing I would like to ask you is when you said that you had somebody who was basically offering and wanting to hook up with you, even though you want more, you were like, but, you know, what kind of guy would I be if I didn't take advantage of that kind of thing? Why, why do you feel that you need to compromise who you are and what you're looking for to somehow fit into some predefined definition of what a guy is supposed to be or do? 
Well, to answer your question with another question, do you want the gentlemanly answers or the physical nitty-gritty man answer? Both. <laughs> okay, well, physical nitty-gritty man answer, she was cute and had large breasts, so there's that. Okay. Then the gentlemanly answer is I still personally think it's fun to do that kind of thing, to not have to commit to any one girl and to, you know, experience that kind of thing and have fun. But while I still think that's fun and I get joy and pleasure from it, it usually ends up just kind of hurting me. And then as soon as I get away from that type of situation and I delve into the dating scene, then I find myself in a bad pattern of wanting to get out of a relationship. And then that just makes me a heartbreaker, which breaks my heart in return, hence the contradictory part I was talking about. So are you really getting pleasure from it if where you ultimately end up is feeling bad or with heartbreak or disappointment or whatever? And and is feeling that way worth the momentary pleasure? Mm, I mean, I guess it's not because it really causes more stress than not. Well, right. And but, so part, part of what this can be trying to teach you is how to both control urges but also to find constructive and healthier outlets for that energy rather than thinking there's only one way to express that energy. Um, sexual energy can actually be extremely powerful for creativity for going out and doing things uh, and motivating us to get things done um, oftentimes quicker or more efficiently or more we kind of grab and run with things a bit more because we have that energy kind of fueling us. Um, but, you know, well, here, so I, something I was just reading on the Internet, um, uh, an article in the New York Times, uh, that there are now a whole group of people. It started with one guy on Reddit, but now it's like a group of four or 500,000 people that regularly post about this. Um, it's a group of people, mainly men, who have decided to uh, stop masturbating. And either they commit to do that for like a certain number of days or they commit to do it indefinitely. Um, and... Now, this is all anecdotal, of course, and this isn't necessarily scientific, but anecdotally, many of them who do that have found that they have greater clarity, uh, uh, you know, when they're thinking about things, that they are more attuned to what they're experiencing in their lives because they don't immediately go to a place of escape or quick momentary pleasure. Now, I'm just going to qualify this and say I have nothing against masturbation. I am not trying to convince anyone to stop masturbating. <laughs> but the idea is that when we are less prone to indulging every whim and every passion and every desire that our body in some way or our mind in some way throws at us, 
then we find that we can experience tr- more, I guess, truer pleasure or deeper pleasure when we do engage in certain things that are in alignment with who we are and what we really want. And so while the momentary pleasure may be easy or may be convenient, what you've expressed is it's not really what you want because you want more of a deeper connection and more of a relationship with people rather than just sexual encounters with people. And so... So being able to control ourselves from engaging in every opportunity for sexual encounter means that you will experience deeper connection and pleasure with someone that you have an emotional interaction and relationship with. And the the reason I bring all this up goes back to the way you said what you said, because and I hear this from people all the time, when you said, you know, what kind of guy would I be if I didn't take advantage of it? People think they have to live up to a certain image or they have been conditioned by society to think a certain way as to how men and women are supposed to act or, you know, this age or that age or, you know, whatever, or this is supposed to make me happy. And then oftentimes we do it, but we find, but it's not making me happy. I don't understand, which means I must be doing it wrong. So it turns around to this self-critical thing. Um, And that's what I want to encourage you to try to start letting go of is don't worry about what anyone else has to say or how they say you're supposed to be. Listen to your heart and be who you are and act according to what you want and what you need in your life rather than what anyone or anything else around you says they think you should have or you should take advantage of or you should do or would make you happy. Um, So I say that because the cards that came up for me, so what I did when I heard how Charlie was going to lay his out, I laid mine out exactly the same way. The only difference is I do two cards instead of three cards for each one. But anyway, um, but it's basically the two options. And for me, the cards that came up would indicate that well, first I'm going to speak to Charlie's cards. So the two cards going from the Knight of Cups to the Knave of Cups, which is sometimes called the Page of Cups, on the side of the relationship that you already have with someone in L.A. In some ways, actually shows, doesn't really indicate any sort of real growth in the relationship because it's like going backwards in the hierarchy of the cards. If the Knight represents the adolescent and the young adult, the page or the knave represents the child. So there's a sense of, if we look at the way his cards were laid out as a progression, that we go from something that's kind of at adolescent and young adult stage and starts to gradually revert back to a childlike stage. And all those cups have a tendency, and Charlie had touched on this as well, have a tendency to start to project and make something into this is perfect. And you even had kind of used those words, but it was this idea of this person is perfect. And this 
relationship is perfect. And the more distance we have and the less we get to interact with that person, like Charlie was saying, the more we start to create this whole image and thing around it and around the person that ultimately sets us up for disappointment because we create all of these expectations and perfection and then the reality just is not that. And we've created this person in our head that is not the person in real life and then we end up feeling like either disappointed or we're feeling like this relationship isn't really working because let's say that you moved to LA and now you're like seeing each other all the time, it would probably start to feel as if, well, this isn't working because it doesn't feel like the way that I had envisioned it being when I had so much time to create that fantasy in my head rather than interacting with the reality. So on the one hand, that says to be very careful about creating too much perfection and projecting too much expectation and illusion around that person or that situation. And that Knight of Cups says you also want to be careful that you don't see yourself needing to play the role of the knight in shining armor that comes, or the knight on the white horse that comes swooping in and, you know, sweeps the girl up off of the ground onto the horse and you ride away across a rainbow on a unicorn into happily ever after because you aren't perfect either and that's okay but you don't want to set yourself up for a situation where you start to become self-critical and self-judgmental because you think you're not living up to what you think you're supposed to be or should be in the relationship because that's what you've created in your head versus what the reality is, is allowing yourself to be human and be flawed as well as the other person to be human and be flawed and the relationship to be human and to be flawed and to have its challenges and to make mistakes and that kind of thing. Um, And, you know, the, the, the first card that came up for me is the hero font reversed. And when that card reverses, it says that, so the hero font represents like structure and institution and tradition. Traditionally, it can represent marriage. Reversing, it says that right now is not the time to be getting into too much of a structure or to be getting too stuck into a traditional type of thing. So I would be careful about trying to invest too much into making this relationship, this long-distance relationship, into the one and only at the expense of the opportunity to explore, to sample, to date, to meet other people, to interact. Because the cards that came up for dating, for me, are the Fool card and the Page of Cups, which is the same as that Knave of Cups that Charlie had. So it, it, it's, it's a sense of be, be a kid, you know, be young. The fool is very much of the inner child. So it says, let's not try to grow up too fast. Let's take some time to have some fun. And recognize that the Page of Cups is kind of there to say, dating a bit is going to help you really connect with what your heart really wants 
and what would really be right for you in terms of a person and a relationship. Just like walking into a store, we don't necessarily just walk in, see the first shirt on the rack, grab it, buy it, don't even try it on, leave, and assume that that's the right shirt that we need. We try different things on to see what fits best. And there are things that fit okay, that we also might be able to enjoy. And then there's also, th- also things that are a perfect fit. And right now, this person in L.A. may feel like the perfect fit. But especially when we're young, our bodies continue to grow and change. And sometimes we outgrow something that was a perfect fit last year. And sometimes what we liked last year, when we try it on again, we go, I don't know why I liked this on me, because now I don't think it looks good on me at all. And it doesn't mean it was wrong or bad at the time. It just means we've grown, changed, and evolved. And if we had invested everything in that one thing and had nothing left to get something new later, we would be stuck in something that doesn't fit or feel right, that then ultimately we're not happy in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the first card for the the long-distance relationship for me is the Ace of Pentacles reversed. And the reversal of that speaks to that idea of investing in something. Um, because Pentacles is sort of money, but we can think of it more figuratively, of course. Um, and Ace of Pentacles is like saying we don't want to either plant our seed, no pun intended, we don't want to plant our seed or plant all of our seeds in this one garden. Um because that's followed by the five of cups, because if we do that, we'll end up disappointed because we'll have a garden that has nothing but tomatoes and we can get sick of eating tomatoes very quickly versus if we have a garden that has many types of fruits and vegetables that allows us a variety of dietary options. Um, so so I, I worry that if you invest too much into this relationship in L.A. at the expense of taking the opportunity to also engage with other people, that you will start over time to find that it becomes less and less satisfying. Just like tomatoes may be great, and you can think of all the things you can do with tomatoes, but over time you start to go, okay, you know, I think I've made every recipe there is to make with tomatoes. <laughs> I do not want to taste another tomato again in my life. <laughs> um, and it's just because it was too much of one thing and we missed out on the opportunity and now the season has ended and we can't plant anything else. So we're stuck with the tomatoes. <laughs> um, and so I would enjoy what that has to offer, but not fully invest in it at the expense of of dating and taking advantage of other opportunities right now. And that doesn't mean you have to be sleeping around because you can still stay true to what you want and who you are and what you need. And if so for you is, do you separate sex and emotional involvement or are the two interrelated and you would rather only have sex with people that you have an emotional involvement with? That depends on how much alcohol I've had that night. Well, then we see that... So now we know the unhealthy answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But But let us say that when you are clear-headed and you are listening to your heart, 
what is that relationship for you in terms of sex? Is it something that you enjoy doing and you don't have to have emotional engagement and involvement? Or is it something that you prefer to do only when there is emotional connection and involvement with someone? It's more heavily weighted on the emotional side, but while I am able to turn the emotions off for a bit, but it always comes back to bite me in the ass. So, Well, so... Yeah. So so on the one hand, when you said that when you've had enough to drink, of course, that changes, that it goes back to being able to control ourselves rather than letting ourselves or our urges control us. Um, and two, you've just kind of said yet again the idea of the momentary turns into something that is not pleasurable and is, you know, feels bad or hurts or whatever, disappointing in some way. So you keep setting yourself up for hurt, for disappointment, and you have the control to be able to not let that happen, but you have to honor yourself and who you are and what you need and how you need to operate rather than letting yourself be influenced by what society or other people around you or alcohol or whatever starts to convince you you should be or tells you what you're supposed to do to be happy. Yeah, definitely. Um, just from uh, both of your readings a lot, it gave me a good uh, perspective on each side, and it actually have helped me realize a little bit about myself and kind of some of the tricks that my mind is playing on me, um, just to kind of elaborate briefly. Um, most of the the one or two real girlfriends I'd had in the past were really good girls, you know, they're honest, they're sweet, they weren't liars or cheaters. And then I had to go and break their hearts type of deal, so that knight in shining armor spiel. I believe my mind kind of connects me back to that and kind of makes me feel guilty when I do meet a good girl and she kind of may or may not have or has fallen for me. So I feel like I have to kind of feel that fill that role and give them what they want because of past regrets or that type of thing. But, you know, both of your um, interpretations has helped me realize, you know, both parts and everything around it. So so the five of cups that's at the end of the direction for the long-distance relationship person is a card, and you, I was just talking about this with the previous caller as well, if you were listening at that point. Um, Five of Cups is a card of disappointment, especially past disappointment and clinging to the past. And it often indicates that we continue to divine our, define ourselves by what has happened in the past, and we're unable to see beyond that or move beyond it. And so one one, I would be worried that you're starting to set yourself up as the knight on the white horse and you're going to end up creating disappointment for yourself again because you're going to think that you didn't live up to something with this person in L.A. Even if they're the ones that broke up with you, you'd probably still think that you did something to cause it just like you did before because you didn't go down and visit them enough or because you didn't move down to L.A. with them or whatever the excuse would be. And that's where we want you to be really, really careful and maybe not invest too much in this so that you don't start to invest to the point that you're setting yourself up for that disappointment again because that's how you see yourself or define yourself. And yet we have to recognize defining yourself that way has led to 
too much self-criticism and self-judgment rather than recognizing that sometimes relationships just come to an end. And yes, one person may have to be the one that calls it off, but that doesn't mean that they were the bad person. It just means they were the one that did what was needed in that particular situation. Oh, the girl in L.A. a Valentine yet? Excuse me, can you repeat that? Oh, have you mailed the girl in, L- in Los Angeles a Valentine yet? Uh, funny story about that. Um, <laughs> one of the thoughts through my head was, hmm, I should write her a song, a Valentine song, and you know, send her a video of it. And then out of nowhere the other day, um, I have this new friend who's really cool, really cool girl, and I actually out on a whim, asked her to be my Valentine, <laughs> and we're, it looks like we're going on a date on Valentine. <laughs> but you see, that's actually perfect for the cards that came up for me, because the first card for dating people is the Fool card, which means take a chance, take a leap of faith, just do something, spur of the moment, and that's what you did. And that yeah. actually is probably going to pay off for you or you're probably going to find enjoyment in that more than if you had tried to follow the tradition and only send the valentine to the person in LA because that's who you're technically in relationship with so that's who I'm supposed to send a valentine to and that's what I'm supposed to do and that's what you know society says and da, 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 da. but that would but what you actually did was you followed your heart and took that leap of faith by trusting the inner child, if you will, to just say, you know, I'm just going to do this instead. And we applaud that. Yay. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for both of your inputs. That was very helpful and healing. So, yeah, definitely. um, I have a lot to think about. It was really in-depth. Yeah, so I thank both of you. Thanks, Charlie and Izzy. You're more than welcome, and thank you very much for both calling in and your patience. I feel like I was blathering on and on there for a while, so I, I do apologize if I you know, have tired your ear out, giving your ear an infection from holding the phone up there for so long. Um, so, so thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate everything both of you had to say, and we'll um, take it to heart and definitely sleep on it. So thank you very much. Sure. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a nice evening. You too. All right. So, Charlie. Yes. <laughs> um, I think perhaps since I've obviously been talking a lot, people are probably like, I need a break. Definitely. No, no, it's we'll okay. It's, we, have very, we have different styles of tarot reading, and I think it's good to get both of those. Yes. I but, you had a lot yeah. of good things to say to that young man. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, they're, if they're saying, I need a break, that's what we're going to give them. We're going to give them a okay. little break. Yeah, we'll so we're going to take a, a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do our Queer Life segment. That's right. Which uh, will allow us to see for everyone listening, whether now or in the future, whenever you hear this, we will be pulling a card to see how you can fully live up to your queerest self. Embrace it, integrate it, live it, proclaim it over the <laughs> next month. So we will do that 
right after this. The doctor said something's wrong with me listening to the Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, with hosts Hi C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. Enjoy the show. And I'm here with Charlie Harrington. Hello, and hello. Hello. And mm-hmm. so this now will bring us to our monthly segment, uh, Living the Queer Life. And we're actually going to approach this based on something that Charlie saw, so I will let him explain it. Well, there I was on Twitter posting about our show, and I noticed that Teo Bishop had tweeted something interesting. Uh, Teo formerly was a druid. Uh, he now identifies as Christian, and there's a lot of actually there's a lot of Christian druids out there too. But he identifies as Christian. He's a queer guy, and he tweeted, "How do you love Fred Phelps? Fred Phelps being, you know, the leader of the Westboro Baptist Church." He wrote, um, "How do you hey, cultivate who, who, love?" Yeah, for anybody that doesn't know who that is, it's the mm-hmm. it's the God hates fags people, the ones yeah. that protest like outside of funerals and all sorts of places. So not a nice the, guy. Um, and he wrote, how do you cultivate love for that man? Is that possible? Too great a challenge. And I thought that was interesting because, I don't know if you remember, but long before, okay, well, not long, long ago, before we started this show, we were talking about how we would approach different topics, and one of them was like, what would the tarot reading be uh, for how to love the Westboro Baptist Church? And I thought, oh, my goodness. So I pulled another card tonight. Uh, the first time we did it, it was the card of temperance way back then. But... um. Tonight I got the Nine of Cups, and the Nine of Cups in the Fae Tarot is a, a young lady um, resting with her back against a giant golden chalice, and the world around her seems a little fuzzy, there's some bright lights, and it looks like she's, you know, had a lot of nice drinks, and she's have her has her, her uh, 
arm resting on her, over her stomach. So you can imagine she might have enjoyed some things. So first, my first thought, how does one love Fred Phelps? Have a drink. <laughs> have, a, have a drink. But um, to me, what I responded to uh, Taya with in less than 140 characters is that you, in order to really love him, you have to find a part somewhere within inside of you that truly can wish that he will find real happiness in, in this life. And I don't mean sort of, you know, the first thought is, wait, but happiness for him is unhappiness for a lot of other people. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that um, to, to truly hope that he can find peace, whether he deserves it or not, and to truly hope that he, who has spent so much of his, uh, the last several decades, dealing with the concept of hate and basing his, his ministry on the concept of hate, to like, even if he never turns around on the gay issue, to, to sort of, the only way to love him is to really hope that he could be happy somehow. Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, I, I think of the Nine of Cups as personal happiness. Mm-hmm. And to me, it says, how can I love Fred Phelps? Well, I can love him by allowing him to find and experience his own happiness, but not making my happiness dependent mm-hmm. on whether he changes his view, changes his mind, comes around and suddenly becomes a gay supporter. And if I can stop worrying about that, then I can simply say, you know, Fred Phelps, I love you as a person, but I certainly don't love your ideas or beliefs. And I leave you to your world to do that. I, Like you were saying, I don't condone when he steps out of his world and decides that he must impose himself in other people's world. But loving him means I can honor the fact that he has his beliefs and finds his happiness in whatever way, and his happiness is not measured or defined by what makes me happy. And I need to be focused more on how do I make my own personal happiness rather than needing somebody else to be or act a certain way in order for me to be happy. Because, go ahead. I was going to say, I was remembering... Back, way back when I used to listen to a lot of conservative Christian talk radio. Don't ask why. <laughs> but I used to do it, and the gay topic came up one night, and this woman called in, um, Christian, and she asked the, 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 the speakers, like the, the, the hosts of the show, like, when was the last time you prayed, really got down and prayed to God for gays to find happiness, to be happy, and not to change them? But just prayed for them for their happiness. Prayed prayed for that, and no 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 one had done it. And they they, they kind of tried to well you know I I pray that they change or I, they, they accept it. And she's like no 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 no. She's like I challenge you to pray for their happiness. And I thought well hello <laughs> whoever you are thank you whoever you are. And so I think it's it's interesting that I I hadn't thought about that radio show until I got this nine of cups and thought like I you know what I can pray for him to be happy. Because it's not up to me to determine what happiness means mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. I can pray for him to be happy and find that in however and whatever way he does. Mm-hmm. But 
I can't define that just as he can't define what happiness is for me. You know, the things that people are getting upset about, they're actually turning around and trying to do the same thing to him, saying, you're stupid or worse. You know, you need to change the way you think. You need to change who you are. You need to come around to my way of seeing things and believing. And that's exactly what he's doing as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people don't realize they are Fred Phelps. And so loving Fred Phelps actually means you would end up loving yourself more because you're giving everyone permission to be themselves and to not have to necessarily believe like you do. Now, that doesn't mean you have to interact with them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It just means that I leave them to whatever makes them happy, and then I get on with my own cultivation of my own personal happiness rather than needing them to come around to something or change and be something in order for me to theoretically be happy. Mm -hmm. Because if Fred Phelps magically turned around and changed... I have a feeling that the majority of the people that say they can't love Fred Phelps would simply find somebody else to hate rather Mm -hmm. than see that as an opportunity to learn how to love. Excellent. And did you have a a card as well for this topic? Or what's your card? So the card that came up for me is the reversed death card oh and no. we can you know, kill him <laughs> but the reverse but the reversal says no yes the reversal mm-hmm. says loving fred phelps means to stop wishing death upon him mm. to, to you know and if death is about letting go then the reversal says loving fred phelps means to embrace him hmm to, to embrace him as a human being. As, you know, the reversal of death is life. So it's embracing him as a living, breathing human being. Mm-hmm. Set aside politics, beliefs, religion, all of that kind of stuff, and see the human being and love the human being. You know, we can have compassion and we can have love for someone, that is what we think the most vile. But at one level, they're a human going through the human experience exactly the same as we are. And so I think that the reverse death card is saying, look at this person as the living embodiment of humanness the same way we are mm-hmm. rather than looking at them as somehow something has died in them because they think this way, which is simply different from how I think and to not wish death upon them. Mm. Your thoughts, so we, your thoughts on the so reverse. You mean I, I, you, mean, you mean I shouldn't try, you know, plan to protest at his funeral. <laughs> When he finally goes as one last act of... No, because what what okay. makes you different from him if you do that? Why why can I not just call you another Fred Phelps if you and do Rome. that? <laughs> well, it seems like to be, it will be counterproductive. So 
there is someone listening, okay. although they're not yeah, on a, they're not a caller for a reading, but there is someone listening who has made a comment about what it is that we are talking about. Mm. Uh, and this is from someone in Seattle named Drew, who says that, I'll just read what it is that he says here. What comes to mind is the line from A Course in Miracles. All attack is a cry for help. He's mm. a hurt man, so the way to love him is to have compassion. Also, people like him give us an opportunity to see who we are in the presence of what we are not. Therefore, bless Fred Phelps because he gives us a chance to experience who we are. Mm, well done, Drew. Yes. So thank you for that input, Drew, from Seattle. Whoever you want, Drew. <laughs> Call us for reading. <laughs> um, uh, oh, well, he says you can... You may have met him at Pantheacon before. Well, oh, hello, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing well, a goat mask. I don't remember it. You know, <laughs> I couldn't see through it. I, I probably wouldn't recognize him if I needed to. Um, but, I, but I think that I think that that's a very true, very profound statement there, um, and you know, and kind of goes along with what I was trying to say as well. Is take the opportunity to look at yourself. Because the way you are reacting to someone, you could actually just be that person. Interesting. Um, and that's like when you were talking about the funeral, I think that that's a perfect illustration of that. What makes someone picketing and protesting at Fred Phelps' funeral any different than Fred Phelps? Hmm. <laughs> and so if we're going to love Fred Phelps, we have to, in some ways, we have to not be Fred Phelps. Mm. We have to find a way to honor him as a human and say, you know, you're, you're, you have now, we're just going to use a scenario of the funeral. I realize he's not actually dead, but we would say, you know, you are dead and I'm going to step back and allow your family and allow you to navigate through that transition and that process in whatever way is right for you without imposing or interfering. Unlike the way that he acted Mm-hmm. because I'm choosing to be to hold a space of love for myself for that person for that family because I can know what it's like to go through grief and mourning and loss of someone and I can love him and love them enough to say I will honor that and allow you to have that rather than to interfere with that unlike the way that they have acted which I think shows a greater act of love because you're not simply being them in retaliation. Hmm. <laughs> Could be, I guess I'll save money on that plane ticket to uh, <laughs> well, go to that funeral that... when it happens. But no, I agree. It's sort of, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't end well <laughs> to go into that space to to occupy sort of his sort of viewpoint. And I was thinking also a little bit, kind of like you said, that um, he's been a galvanizing force. And you know, if you want, <laughs> like, if you want to be on the side of love, he's like very much given us sort of the opposite view to uh, to 
work against to sort of, I don't know, he's definitely been a galvanizing force, you know, and he has uh, been quite a catalyst at times for great change and people, in given people the opportunity to stand up for something that they believe in rather than remaining silent. So well, right. I guess we owe him that. Well, well, yes, because one thing that we could love about Fred Phelps is what he has, like you said, galvanized and allowed to come out in other people. You know, to see a community band together to form a blockade of people to block the view of the Westboro Church people so that the family who is having the funeral can do so in peace rather than being confronted by that. That, to me, is something we can love Fred Phelps for because otherwise that community probably wouldn't have been there. The family may not have known how much people were willing to come out and support them and rally around them, you know, for a good cause, not just because of who they were as a family, but because there was a higher principle that that was bringing people together. And so in some ways we could love Fred Phelps for that. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So I think so. So I think that is our that's the living the queer life reading for this month is how can you love a person or a thing that is so opposite, so antithetical, and makes you so angry that you think you can't find any way to love them or anything about them to love. I'm going to challenge you this month to pick out that person or that thing that you hate the most, which hopefully we can start to release because hate is never good, but pick out something you hate the most and ask yourself, what can I find or how can I learn to love that person or that thing on some level or in some way? So there's our Queer Life segment for this month and our Queer Life Challenge. Maybe every month we'll have a Queer Life Challenge for people. There we go. <laughs> it's like the Iron Man Challenge. That's right. <laughs> so, um, and I think that you said that you have to close a little, a little Valentine's Day reading to offer. I do. I was thinking about sort of the two iconic figures in Valentine's Day lore, being a Valentine's enthusiast that I am. And they seem to be St. Valentine, the Christian martyr, and Cupid, the Roman god of love. And I thought, okay, all right, well, how does that translate into a tarot reading? Which is interesting, as I, I was doing one of the calls, or no, not one of the calls, one of the songs, I did a little, little research, and uh, St. Valentine actually wore an amethyst ring depicting Cupid. I think that's very interesting. And um, it became part of his association with Valentine's Day. I thought that was kind of cool. Anyway, here we are. So if I pulled a card for St. Valentine and you pulled a card for Cupid, I think the St. Valentine card would represent how do we express love or how can we better express love and I think if you pulled a card for Cupid, that would let us know how can we better embody love. It's just so crazy it might work. What do you think? All right. All right. So you're, so you're pulling for expression. I'm pulling it first. Uh, all right. So St. Valentine, the, uh, and the reason he's expressing love is sort of the idea of him sending notes, either by bird, <laughs> depending on what uh, 
legend you listen to or to his jailer's daughter or whatever it is um, performing secret marriages. But his, the idea of St. Valentine and Valentine's Day often is the idea of expressing love. That's sort of the surface idea of it. And then I think what you mentioned earlier is sort of like embodying love. So the, the card for expressing love is really surprising to me. It's the Knight of Swords. So I looked at that. This is a very unlovely looking Knight of Swords looking at me. It's a red sky and the sword is raised and they've got a battle cry. And then I thought about it. Like there's something really fearless about expressing love, about expressing affection and attraction, you know, be it passing a note during study hall in sixth grade or mustering the courage to go talk to that person at the bar that looks kind of hot there's there's a fearlessness there in expressing love even um in expressing love in a relationship you're in there's you're putting yourself out there um and you're making yourself vulnerable in order to and in order to do that you know you have to be able to make yourself vulnerable and the knight of swords just pushes forward they just don't worry about consequences like that a knight of swords characteristically is just uh, going to go forward and jump over that hill and worry about what's on the other side when they get there. And, um, you know, in the classic romantic comedy, there's always that person, that wise, sagely person, often gay, uh, telling the other person, (laughs) you know, just go for it. Just go. Like, what's the problem? Like, just... um, I never say you be yourself because yourself is single. But um, it just, 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 you know... Give it a shot. What's the worst that can happen? And of course, the worst that can happen is very, very scary. But um, you have to sort of act um, in spite of that, in the absence of, of that. Um, so, well, in the absence, in the very presence of that, but imagining it's absent. So, to me, my Valentine's Day message is expressing love is about um, unapologetically putting yourself out there and giving the information, passing it along, I like you, you're attractive, whatever, you know, do you want to dance? Do you like me? Check yes or no. (laughs) You know, whatever it is. Um, And that's kind of pushy, too, I think, in this this age. You know, like you're sort of, well, I don't want to make someone uncomfortable. There's something to that. But, you know, in order to do it, in order to really express love, express desire and attraction, you have to put that, you know, allow the person the agency like if they if they're not interested they're going to let you know and that's their job that's not your job just um so without the benefit of saint valentine or cyrano de beaujarac or any other sort of middleman of love my my advice to you is to be the knight of swords and to fly freely into battle what do you think i agree and I think if I had one little phrase for your card that came up, mm-hmm. I would say, ask yourself, is it someone or is it a love worth fighting for? Mm, and if the answer is yes, then be willing to put on the armor and fight for it. Yeah. And, you know, that may even mean fighting our own insecurities or our own doubts or our own fears. But, you know, fight for it. And if the answer is no, well then... Go find something or someone that is. Keep moving, you know. If yeah. that person turns you down, which is their very right, you know, uh, 
then you ha- then you can't get wounded. Like, well, oh shit, I tried, and look what happened. You know, the Knight of Swords had like they're not stalled by that. They just sort of have the wherewithal. Second time I said wherewithal tonight, but then they have the wherewithal to <laughs> just keep plowing. Third time you said it right there. For- <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> to keep plowing forward and. Okay, not you, then someone else. You know, um, I'm not going to let the grass grow under my feet. You know, I'm going to uh, scorch the earth and move on. So that's, that's what St. Valentine, if I'm channeling him from the, from the uh, third century, he would want you to, to know. But how would Cupid want us to embody love? So the card that appeared for the embodiment of love is represented by Cupid is the wheel card reversed, sometimes called wheel of change, sometimes called wheel of fortune. And, you know, well, I actually have to say, so a deck that I use for the majors is called the Anubis Oracle, um, which correlates the major arcana cards to Egyptian deities. And the wheel card corresponds to Kepera. Most people know Kepera because Kepera is the scarab beetle, or is represented by the scarab beetle, the Egyptian scarab. And, you know, as we talk about love, the scarab was really the most important amulet and protector mm-hmm. for the mummy, because the, the scarab was placed over the heart, and the heart was considered the most important organ, because for the Egyptians it was both the seat of emotion as well as the seat of intellect. So it was mm-hmm. it was the mind and all of its senses. And the heart is what is weighed against a feather in order to determine whether you get into the afterlife. Hmm. And so with the wheel card representing Kepera, you know, we have something that represents this ultimate protective force over and around the heart. But the reversal of this card would say that the embodiment of love is when we have the willingness to stop protecting our heart and to open it and make it vulnerable to allow someone in, which means we risk getting hurt, but we also risk experiencing the ecstasy of love. And we can't complain that we're not experiencing one when we're not putting ourselves in the position to risk experiencing the other. Mm. So if we're constantly complaining that we never have love or we can't find love or we don't have a relationship or whatever, we can't necessarily complain about that if we're not willing to actually open our hearts enough to risk getting hurt. And so Mm. it's interesting to think of that word embodiment because you think of embodiment creating some sort of structure or something around something to give it form and and to give it some sort of physical manifestation. And here it's almost as if we embodiment means we let go of the physical constraints to allow the heart to be embodied by the magnitude of the universe and the possibilities out there rather than the limited possibilities and experiences that we impose upon the heart out of a fear of getting hurt or out of a 
you know, a, a set way of thinking about what love is supposed to look like or how a relationship is supposed to look like rather than opening ourselves up to every possibility and every opportunity, even when it's completely different from what we thought it would be or outside of our comfort zone or completely unfamiliar because it's a type of person or a relationship structure that is different than what we had ever imagined we would be in. And that to me is what this says because the wheel is about change and when you reverse it, it's as if you are afraid of change or you hold back the ability for change to take place because Mm -hmm. you keep trying to If you're preventing the wheel from spinning, you're trying to keep things as they are or keep things the way that I think they should be rather than allowing things to change. So if I'm afraid to go into relationship because I'm afraid of getting my heart broken, then I say you can't then complain that you don't have relationship. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And if you're in a relationship... This says that you have to be willing to open to, instead of trying to change the other person or thinking this is how a relationship should be and how it's supposed to develop or whatever. Because I hear people say things like, well, I can't believe they haven't asked me to marry them yet because we've been together for three years. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, but why is why is it some sort of a deadline like you know oh three years has gone by and they have to ask you to marry me otherwise it's over. I'm like, according to you know, and so it's letting go of the rules and allowing things to organically change and rotate and move and cycle in the way that they want to, rather than imposing or holding back. It's interesting that Sue, the, the 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 wheel of fortune, which so often can represent sort of luck and fate, when it's reversed, it's off. It, it you know often represents sort of being at that low point when it, in terms of luck and fate, like when everything has bottomed out, when luck has run out, when Fortuna is not on your side. Um, it's interesting that that is, an, is a time, if we're looking at it just from that perspective, that is the time to embody love. I think when you're in a reversed Wheel of Fortune position and um you you know you mentioned often people try to stop change um in that position it's sort of you're at the bottom and you keep yourself there because you're trying to keep things from getting i'm making quotey fingers worse and that cannot that can be a non-fruitful situation so well i would also say because when i think of fate Mm -hmm. i think of simply factors that are outside of my control that cause something to happen or create change or that kind of thing. When it's reversed, then it says all of the factors for controlling how things are going to change are up to me. Mm. I have to stop waiting on fate to bring me love, and I have to start being willing to change myself or change the way I approach love or the way that I look for love in order for it to happen. And I think that when you're at that low point, is an interesting opportunity in you know, in kind of one of those sort of paradoxical ways, like an interesting opportunity to create love. And a lot of people who did wonderful things in their life and did wonderful things for other people did so when things went badly for them. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's a bit cliche, but, 
you know, it, it, when you're riding at the top of the wheel, when you're, when you're absolutely at your, your, sort of your highest peak of experience, which is a very polarizing view, but we'll go with it, uh, it, can, it can be hard to think of other people, but it's when we connect with others is often when we're at the bottom of that wheel of, of fortune. So, and like you said, it's sort of, there are powers outside of our control, but then there's also, and, but they, at the end of the day, they sort of, when, when they recede, when, they, when, when you're at the bottom of the wheel, when, wherever you are in Fortuna's wheel, you still have to live in choice. And you can choose love. You can choose not to be bitter. You know what I mean? You can choose not to get caught up in that position. Does that, am I making any kind of... Well, sure. And I would say you can choose to work on the relationship with yourself Mm. and love yourself when there isn't somebody external to you to necessarily also be developing relationship with and to be loved. Mm -hmm. So, well, thank you for bringing us that, both the the question from Theo Bishop, because I think that was a very Mm -hmm. interesting (laughs) thing to ponder, uh, and for this little Valentine's Day reading for us to do. And I also want to thank everybody listening and for the people that called in. And hopefully you will enjoy this time of love and get out there and experience whatever love means to you and whatever love has to offer you in whatever form, rather than it being anything somehow, you know, structured or or told to us as to what it's supposed to look like. Um, So thank you, Charlie, for Thank Joining you me once you. again. And uh, just to remind people that you can always find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Historical. We'd love to have you there. Like the page, enter the conversation, ask a question, comment about the show, whatever. And if you would like to reach Charlie or myself for a private consultation, um, you can also do that. You can reach me, Hi C at Hi C at tarotbyhighc.net. And Charlie, how is it best if they would like to reach you? Oh, just send us a note at... Um, you can also send a note to uh, The Amethyst Oracle. Oh, yeah. Just go to the Facebook page and send a message mm-hmm. and Charlie will get it. Find me so, there. Yes. So thank you for listening. Okay. We're actually going to go out with a little song that hopefully will be inspiration for all of the lovers out there, whether mm. whether you're by yourself or with another or more than one others. And that is... Sex for breakfast. Wow.
Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at facebook.com slash the amethyst oracle. Enjoy the show. The amethyst oracle. Divination with a queer twist. Divination with a queer twist. The Amethyst Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Carousella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Convergence with John Carousella. Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Oh.